Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. This morning is the horseshoe experience, okay? The horseshoe experience. So John chapter 1, verse 43, it says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Philip, follow me. And Philip's like, all right. So Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel, okay, and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. <coughs> Nazareth? Can anything good come from, Naz- from Nazareth? That's what Nathaniel asked. And Philip says, some amazing words. He says, come and see. Just come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. I don't know what happened under the fig tree, but that was enough for Nathanael to say, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than this. Then he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Jesus, would you call us to follow you? But not just that. Jesus, would you show yourself real? Would you give us a revelation that Nathaniel and Philip had? We want to know you more. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So at the core of it, what does it mean? What, what do we do as ambassadors of Christ? At the core, of, oh, the core of it, all we have to do is what Philip did. Okay? Experience Jesus. Share the excitement of experiencing Jesus to others and invite them into presence. Come and see. That's all we need to do. It's very simple. We make it too complicated. So it's actually just like Ohio State football, okay? Just give me a few moments here. <laughs> the, the way Ohio State football grew to its glory was because people talked about it. And people fell in love with OSU football. It actually wasn't the wins and the accolades. I don't know if you know about the very beginning of Ohio State football. They were terrible. They were very, very bad. Anyone know Worcester, Worcester College? Uh, up north a little bit, a lot of you probably don't know. Uh, Worcester College used to beat us so bad, <laughs> like 43-0, and then 52-0, and like, I mean, it was like every game. We would not, we could not win <laughs> against Worcester College. Um, that was Ohio State football. Thank you. That was Ohio State football. It wasn't that the wins were great. It wasn't that, like, we had the best coaches. People just loved Ohio State football. They loved it, and they loved it so much. They talked about it so much and so much that people were like, we're going to go to these games. We're going to love this team. So when more people come, there's more revenue, right? More revenue, that means better coaches and all that stuff. The love of Ohio State people, football from the people is what made Ohio State football come to the glory that we know right now. But one thing about Ohio State football is that a lot of times – People need to experience it before they become a fan, right? 
Um, you can talk about all the accolades, all the champ- championships and all that, but you need to have a personal experience with Ohio State football to fall in love with it. You can talk about, you know, the 2014 championship run, right? We can talk about Cardale Jones. His first career game was the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin. Wisconsin, We beat them 59-0, right? You can talk about that. You can talk about how he was the third third string quarterback and we still won the national championship. All those things. You can be really excited about it, right? But unless they come to a game, they're not really going to truly understand what is it about Ohio State football that is so amazing. I mean, if you see C.J. Stroud throw those throws, I mean, it's like, yes, forever fan. You know, when you hear O-H-I-O in the stadium, I mean, you get chills. When you see the, the band, the best band in the land, <laughs> we're in church, the best band in the land. And when you see that, when you see that sousaphone guy, dot the I, and you get the chills, you're like, forever. This is glory. This is what I want to be part of, right? Um, sometimes they fell in love with it so much that they're like, son, you will go to Ohio State. Daughter, you will go to Ohio State. You will become a Buckeye and make me proud, you know? It's amazing. It changes lives. It, it sets course of people's lives, right? But obviously, the gospel of Ohio State football only goes so far. It could change people's paths of life because they went to Ohio State, but it doesn't change eternity. It doesn't change hearts. It is a distraction after all, but after you, you go to the game, after that you stay the same. It doesn't change you. So there's something I want to keep us in mind. We have the best news in the world, the best gospel in the world, one that changes lives. One that changes the course of eternity. And you have this great message in you. And God wants to use you in a specific and strategic way to expand his kingdom here on earth through you. So preaching OSU football may be really fun. And for some people, it's like the meaning and purpose of life, you know, to preach OSU football. The gospel of OSU football comes nowhere close to the amazing gospel we have in Jesus. Jesus changes the very core of a person. With Jesus, the sick becomes healed. And I don't mean just physically healed. I mean spiritually, emotionally, mental wounds. People become healed with Jesus. The angry person becomes calm. The depressed regain desire and purpose. The selfish becomes generous. The hateful becomes loving. The discouraged and the negative becomes positive and hopeful. The impatient becomes patient. The unsatisfied becomes content. The prideful becomes humble. The gospel that we have is the answer to so many seemingly hopeless things in this world. One of the greatest gifts of the gospel is the ability for someone to forgive or to even ask for forgiveness. That is a miracle. Broken relationships are mended. Siblings that didn't talk to each other for years become friends. Relationships with parents improve. Parents become good parents. Leaders become good leaders. Bosses learn how to manage people better with dignity. Communities and make neighborhoods, towns, and cities better. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the power of the gospel. And all of these attributes and hope, they're found in Jesus Christ. If you read the word of God, it's full of promises like these. The question is, do you believe in this gospel? Do you understand this good news? And have you experienced it? If you say you believe the the gospel and these things are actually happening, are they happening? Are they taking place around you? Or is it just an empty, hopeful, wishful thing? So if it's not, 
I want to invite you to the horseshoe experience, figuratively, obviously. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. What I mean is I want you to experience God, the gospel, and his kingdom in its full effect. Let's talk about, uh, let's read about what talk, what, how Paul talks about it in 1 Timothy 1. Where here he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, Paul, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though Paul was once a blasphemer, and persecutor, and a violent man. He killed people. He killed Christians. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord who poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for the very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example of those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Man, Paul is awesome, so eloquent, so, you know, smart sounding and all that stuff, right? So we look at him, we're like, man, he's so intimidating. He, I could never be like Paul. But the fact of the matter is, all Paul is doing is what Philip did. He's telling people how amazing Jesus is, and he's saying, come and see. In fact, that's all Paul can do. He doesn't have anything, any powers beyond that. He had a horseshoe experience. Paul did. Just wants, he just wants others to experience the same glory. The experience was so powerful for Paul. It turned, it turned him into a different person. Right? He was the violent man. The persecutor became the persecuted. Because he was preaching the gospel. The violent, the violent Paul became gentle and kind. The blasphemer became the proclaimer of truth. I mean, literally the opposite was happening to Paul. All because and only because of King and Savior Jesus. He became gentle because Jesus is gentle. He became kind because Jesus is kind. He found truth in Jesus. He was persecuted and suffered because Jesus suffered for him and was persecuted for Paul. All Paul is doing is repaying the blessings that Jesus blessed him with. All he did was experience God and, God and pay forward the blessing. When you hear pay forward, don't you think about Starbucks sometimes? You're like, man, I wish I was one of the car behind, right? Sometimes the Lord's like, oh, you're going to pay forward. But like the car behind you, you know, they got like eight lattes and it's like 60 bucks. And you're like, oh gosh. But you do it gladly, right? Because Jesus died for your sins. He paid it all, right? Come on. Well, that's what we mean. We say in Chi Alpha, what God has done in you, he wants to do through you. Right? Jesus doesn't save you and, like, bless you and give you all the blessings and changes you just for nothing. He wants that so that he would do through that and you would pay forward to somebody else. Because you can't repay Jesus. You can't repay Jesus. You can never do what Jesus did for you. So what he's asking you to do is to do it for other people. The act of kindness and blessings are important and a huge benefit from the kingdom of God. But the most amazing thing is what's behind those acts of kindness, behind what's in the blessing. The most amazing thing is the life-changing Jesus Christ. And that's our biggest gift, the gospel itself. That having Jesus as Lord, Savior, King, and friend is the most amazing part of this world. And what we're offering the world is not just good feelings and kind words, but a relationship with the King of Kings. A relationship with the Lord of our Lords. And I would say the friend of friends. The one who satisfies. The one who changes your life. 
the one that has the power to transform you. If you have experienced God, my challenge to you is this. Let's take people to the horseshoe, figuratively, obviously. Let's save up some money, which requires some sacrifice from your part, and let's buy somebody a ticket and say, let's come. Let's experience together. And I don't mean a game against, like, Toledo, you know, or Rutgers, but, like, a good game, like Penn State or Michigan. Hopefully a Michigan game that we win, you know, but, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's have, let's have them have a good experience with Jesus. But it's figuratively because the analogy breaks down, obviously. Ohio State football is flawed. So let me, let's talk about how amazing the kingdom of God is. Let's show people how much we have changed because of him. How powerful and amazing the Bible is. They're going to say, you think that all book written to the Jews thousands of years ago is amazing? In 21st century America? Just like Nathaniel said, Nazareth? What good can come from Nazareth? And your answer would be, absolutely, yes, the Bible is amazing and totally relative to your li- relevant to your life. And you proceed to tell them why. <laughs> but you need to know your Bible to be able to do that, right? And then experience why the Bible is so awesome. Sharing the gospel and inviting people to the kingdom of God should be the most exciting thing in your life, the most life-giving thing. There's another quote that we use a lot, and it's, it's not hard to share good news. It's not hard to share good news. If it's good news to you, it shouldn't be hard to share good news, right? If you survive cancer, it shouldn't be hard to share good news. If you survive a car accident, it should not be hard to share good news. For our students, if they got an A on a test that they thought they bombed, it's not hard to share good news. Kenji, I got a 92. That's incredible. They don't stop talking about it. Glory to God. If it's good news, you would want to share it. My question is, is it good news enough for you to share it to other people? Maybe it's something else. Maybe you don't have a profound understanding. Maybe you went to the you know, Middle Tennessee State game or the Arkansas State game. You don't have a profound understanding of the horseshoe. So today, I want to introduce you to the person who took me to the horseshoe figuratively. And that was the last time I'm going to say horseshoe, by the way. <laughs> I want to say the kingdom of God for now. <laughs> I think you got it. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to use it to a friend of mine uh, who I met in college. I was a music uh, student, uh, specifically music composition student in college. And, you know, I was, what people say is I was classically trained in music. You know, that's what people say. And I wrote music for different orchestral instruments and stuff like that. That was my passion. And still a big passion of mine. But it was also a big source of pride for me, okay? And there's a reason for my pride. So I, I grew up in a relatively blessed family. Uh, my, my, friend, my parents are still together. Uh, they never got into nasty fights or anything like that. Um, for the most part, I was a pretty good kid. You know, I didn't do drugs or anything like that. I obeyed my parents. Um, um, but growing up, um, there was one thing about me, is that my dad was not very um, like, uh, affectionate with me, okay? But he's a Japanese stoic man, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, by the way, I'm Japanese. My mom's Costa Rican. It's a long story, so there, there you go. That's it. Um, but yeah, my dad's Japanese. That's what's important right now. Um, he was not very affectionate, but he was until I was about six years old, okay? He was like very lovey-dovey, and apparently I don't remember anything. Um, but, you know, I went to school, and then my dad would pick me up and hug me and like, hey, come in, Kenji, whatever. And... Um, when I was six years old, uh, apparently, 
<laughs> I got embarrassed and my dad was hugging me and kissing me. So when I was six, I like stepped him and I said, Dad, I am old now, so don't do that, you know. Uh, apparently that broke my dad's heart because uh, for the next 30 years, he never hugged me again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can, we can laugh about it, you know, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, that actually kind of defined me, you know. Uh, in high school, I like, I don't know why, I was like, hey, that thanks. And I shook his hand. He was like, oh, you know, so I, we shook hands. It was like, oh, wow, I just shook my dad's hand. You know, it was like that kind of relationship. Um, Anyways, my dad wasn't very affectionate to me. So I started seeking attentions other places, right? So when you need attention, you start to, like, show off your, your talents and stuff like that. You know, I was good at the piano. So I was, like, showing off my piano skills to students. I was known as the prideful guy. I mean, that's how bad it was, right? Um, and, you know, I was good at, at, at school, so I was showing off how, like, I didn't study for a test and I got an A, stuff like that. Uh, it was just not really nice. Um, but I didn't care. I needed the attention and he gave me the things that my dad didn't give me, right? So that pride actually translated into my spiritual life, too. I always thought I knew it all. I thought I was holier than people. You know, um, I made a, this is when I didn't have a relationship with God, so please never do this. But uh, I made a bed with God. You know, I was like, if, if I go to church faithfully for a year, uh, you're going to get me into, into college. It's like, okay. So I went faithfully for a year and then no, didn't really go back again because I got in. I was like, good. Our deal is done. Bye-bye, you know. Um, so when I went to church, I was the only young person in church. My parents didn't even go to church. I went to church by myself, and I felt so good. I was like, oh, man, look at me. So holy. All these old people and the one young person, you know. Like, I'm so good, you know. So, But once I got into college, I was like, boop, done. That's, that's good. Um, so I go to college, and um, I am an international student. I went to Louisiana State University, LSU, and um, I could not make friends because uh, English was really hard and Americans um, had a different culture, different sense of humor and stuff like that. I made one friend, he was from Japan and two months later he left. So <laughs> literally I had zero friends in college. Um, and you know, that was difficult because I dealt with insecurity too. Um, growing up, you know, I was bullied and uh, because of my weight, you know, so how do I take care of insecurities? I just lose weight. And then, boom, I'm done. You know, it's good to go. So insecurities always, like, haunted me. And one of them was, I don't have any friends, you know. Um, so, again, I was a music major. Didn't have any friends. I was in the choir, in the men's glee club. You know, it was a super fun time. One time, I, we sent the, the national anthem in the stadium, in Tiger Stadium. It was super fun. But in that class, there was a piano player, right? And um, I became friends with this uh, piano player. He was super cool. He loved soccer, and he was just, like, very goofy. He was really good at the piano. He was very humble, very nice guy, um, and he took piano very seriously, though, you know, although he was, he was goofy. His name is Jacob Benda, and it's the picture you just saw. Jacob was my friend, my first friend in America, and one of my favorite memories of Jacob is um, in our friendship, I was practicing piano one time in one of the practice rooms in the, in the university, and one, one day I hear a knock, and then it's Jacob. He opens the door. He's like, hey, Kenji, what's up? And I was like, oh, hey, you know, what's up? He's like, hey, it sounds pretty good, you know, keep it going. I just thought, I thought I would say hi, and he left the room, you know, and I was like, oh, that was awesome. And why is that the, my favorite memory? It's because that was the moment I realized that's my friend, you know, 
he saw me on the practice room and he thought about opening the door to say hi. I'm no longer what Americans called an acquaintance with Jacob. By the way, in my country, the word acquaintance doesn't exist. I think it's funny that Americans are like, this is my friend, but this is not my friend. You know, <laughs> you are my high acquaintance, you know. Um, <laughs> it's like for Latinos, I'm Latino, long story, but I'm Latino too. Uh, for us, it's like really difficult to understand that concept, you know, because every, everybody's my friend. If you've said hi to me, it's like, oh, friend, oh, good, you know, we're good. Uh, but in America, it's not that way. You need, you know, time to get to know each other and stuff like that. But Jacob, you know, he opened the doors like, oh, acquaintances don't do that, you know. So one of my favorite memories of Jacob. So uh, one time I saw him. Handing out flyers about Chi Alpha, you know, it's like, oh, that's my friend Jacob, so I'm going to say hi, because he opened the door of my practice room and said hi, you know what I'm saying? Things are getting serious, you know, he's my friend. But hey, friend, what's up, friend? How are you? Felt so good. Um, he's like, hey, I'm part of this thing called Chi Alpha, you know, here's a flyer. He's like, oh, what is it? It's a Christian group. It's like, okay. Um, I wasn't interested, obviously, but um, I was very bored, and my friend goes to Chi Alpha, so it's like... I should go where my friend is because I want to be with my friend. So that's when I started going to Chi Alpha. What I didn't know is that in Chi Alpha, I was going to find friendships and relationships of people who genuinely were devoted to Jesus, who loved Jesus with all of their heart. And not just that, Jacob started helping me make more friends. And I definitely went to Chi Alpha because of friendship, because I wanted more friends. But then I realized these friends knew Jesus in a way, in a profound way. I, I never thought it was possible. <clears throat> also, I was no longer the only young person in church. They're all my, <laughs> my age, you know, so it's like, oh, I'm not cool anymore. You know, so what are these people about? And they actually know their Bible, and they, like, pray to God, and they know God in a way I don't know them, know him. So for, like, a year, I, I definitely was uh, trying to figure it out, like, what was wrong with them, you know? Is it all a fake thing? <laughs> Because that's what I would do. That's why I went to church, because I wanted to look good. So like, oh, these people, okay, so these are the people who want to look good. That's, this is what this is about. But for a whole year after looking at them, it's like, that's not what this is about. They love Jesus in a way I don't. They read their Bibles. They knew their Bibles. So I started reading my Bible, because that's what they did. And it was starting to get awkward, because I didn't know my Bible. They were only talking about Jesus. So like, I started reading my Bible. And I got to chapter 6 of Matthew. And there's a place in the Bible where it says you have to close the door of your room and pray to God, and the Father will reward you. And I was like, that is so silly. Why would you ever close the door? Because then what's the fun of prayer? The pr prayer is about, <laughs> you know, the recognition of people, like how holy I look. But inside my room, that, that makes no sense. But the Bible says so, and I think my friends do that. So I guess I'll give it a try. And talk about awkward. <laughs> You know, because you're talking to this guy who doesn't talk back. You know, so it sounds like, <laughs> sounds like you're just talking to yourself. It's just like, oh, this is awkward. But, you know, it's like, hey, uh, I had a good day. I think you had a good day because it sounds like it's pretty awesome out there, you know. Um, okay, good night, <laughs> you know. Um, then, but then I did it the next night because my friends did it. I did it the next night, the next night. Until one day he speaks back, Right? He actually starts speaking back. And the most, thing, most amazing thing about Jesus is that he speaks life back into you. And the way he does that is he points out the things that need to be get, getting rid of in your life. So he starts, like, really getting into my life. It's like, oh, I didn't know you'd go there. 
you know? <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Hey, Kenji, you're prideful. Oh, yes, I guess I am, yes. Hey, remember the prayer thing? It's because you're prideful, because you want people to look at you, right? Like, yes. But look, listen, you don't need people's recognition. You only need mine. I'm here. I love you, Kenji. He was like, oh, yeah, I guess I've been looking for people's recognition. He started talking to me about my dad, talking about my family, about things that I didn't know he would ever talk to me about, the touchiest issues of my life. He started speaking life into me. Um, and then one day I realized that these sins that I had in my life were too heavy. I didn't know I was bound to them, that I wasn't free. And then the Father spoke to my heart and says, you want to be free? Just believe in my son Jesus. He, he, we will forgive your sins. So in a secular university, in a dorm, without anybody looking, with no altar call, with no lights or anything, I gave my life to Jesus. And I said, Jesus, I'll follow you for the rest of my life because this is all what I want. I want freedom. And there's nothing like it when you've experienced freedom. You're, there's no going back because it's just so amazing. There's no going back when the Father gives you recognition, when you don't have to try to find things somewhere else, but the Father gives everything you need. That's where I found Jesus in a secular university. And then all I wanted to do was tell people about him. All I wanted to do is, would you experience the same thing? You know, I had the horseshoe experience. Now I want to invite people. So I remember going to class, like uh, practice rooms and like open the doors like, hey, can I pray for you? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> we started praying for people in practice rooms. I was just like, I just want you to know my Jesus because he's amazing. He changed my life. One thing he talked to me about was my sister, you know. Um, um, you know, growing up, we didn't have a really great relationship, my sister and I. And um, I, just, I just was not a good person. And um, throughout my life, I would make fun of my sister, um, especially about her weight. You know, and it's a terrible, terrible thing to do. Not just as a Christian. Anybody on earth should never, ever do that. But that's something I used to do with, to my sister. And um, I, got, I got to know Jesus, and I went home. And because of my sinful nature, I acted how I used to act before, and I made fun of her again. And she got really mad at me. And for the first time, the Holy Spirit said, hey, Kenji, you need to apologize. And I said, what? I need to do what? I need to apologize. I said, but Jesus, that's my sister. I don't care. Oh, I need to apologize to my sister? Like, that's something I need to do now. It's like, yes, I forgive your sins, you know. What else could you do for me? Would you apologize to your sister? And I was like, I've never done that before. I don't even know how to do it. So I was like pacing. You know, it was like four hours. I was like pacing with the Holy Spirit. Like, but how do I start? How do I? He's like, just ask for forgiveness. Yeah, I know, but I just don't know how to do it. You know? So I'm like pacing for four hours, and I finally realize I'm not the same anymore. I'm not the old Kenji anymore. The new Kenji apologizes to his sister. So for the first time, I said, sister, I said that in the mall. I'm very sorry. I should not have said that. Would you forgive me? And she, if, you could, if you could see the look of her face, she was like, what did you just say? <laughs> you just apologized to me? I said, yes, I'm sorry. And I, I will never do that again. My sister saw the transformation I had in my life. 
I wasn't like, man, I got to share the gospel. Man, I got to become an evangelist and preach in the streets. All I did was apologize to my sister. And that's the way the kingdom works. It's real responsibility. It's real um, ownership of your faith. And it's not even like knowing the most eloquent words on how to say or knowing the Bible so good you can convince people. Just let people show you be transformed in front of them. And you'll see that that's one of the most powerful things. Be like Philip and say, come and see. Come and see, my Jesus, what he has done in my life. That's what an ambassador does. We invite people to the kingdom of God. We invite them to the horseshoe experience. And that's all we need to do. That's what we do at Chi Alpha. That's what world missionaries do. Well, that's what they do in, in Europe. That's what they do in, in the Middle East. We just have the job of Philip and say, come and see. Let's experience the gospel. Evan, if you can play some keys. So I want to show you a couple of pictures. Um, the first picture here is Jacob baptizing me. I think there's a picture of that. Um, and going back to Jacob, he didn't do much. All he did was love Jesus and loved me. And I remember watching Jacob's life transform in front of my eyes. That's when I said, that's what I need in my life. The next picture is a group of guys who loved on me and fought for me. I know Jesus today not because a preacher was necessarily screaming at me, although some people come to Jesus that way. It wasn't because someone sat down with me and gave me like the whole spiel, the whole like, this is how you get saved. This is why you should believe in God. No, it was these guys fighting for me. That's how I came to know Jesus. I think we make it too difficult. And I think that's how Reynoldsburg is going to come to know Jesus. If they see you transform. If people see your lives completely change by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see how many people will be impacted. You have no idea how God can use you. No idea. No idea. The, ways, the way Jesus is moving through our students, none of us had any idea that that was possible. But people are getting saved at Ohio State, at a secular university. Because people experience Jesus. We're transformed. And in, are inviting others to come and see. Would you just come and see? So this morning, I want to invite a couple of you to a challenge. My first challenge to you is, if you know Jesus, if the things I talk to you resonate in your heart, it's like, yes, I know what you're talking about. Would you become an ambassador of Christ? Would you invite people to the presence of God? I'm not even talking about church. I'm not even saying bring them to the building. I'm saying, would you bring Jesus who are in you, who is in you, would you bring that to somebody? Would you make a friend and tell them how amazing Jesus is? All you have to do is be a friend with somebody, being there for them, being faithful to them. And you'll be amazed at how God can use you. My second challenge for some of you is, Kenji, I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds kind of nice, but I've never had that experience. 
the horseshoe experience or whatever you're talking about. If that's you, I want to invite you. It's the most amazing thing ever. With the, the wildest adventure, the wildest thing you'll ever experience, the, the fulfillment that you've never felt before, the purpose and meaning of life that God gives you. When you can see this world as a hopeful because He literally changes your mind. Because through God's lens, even people look differently. People, enemies and people you hate become lovable. It's real. And it's tangibly real. I'm pleading you, would you give your life to Jesus? Would you go all in? Would you let Him transform you? Would you let Him show you how powerful and amazing He is? There's nothing else I would want for you in your life but to experience and encounter the very person of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like it. All the addictions, all the things you fight over, all the things you want becomes completely, completely worthless and meaningless in front of the person of Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater in this life. I want to invite you to that because he's absolutely incredible. Would you join us in this adventure? Would you join us in this reality? That's what I pray and that's what I challenge you. You know, some of you may be hesitant to take a step. And one of those steps is baptisms. I challenge you. It's wonderful. After baptism, it's a great accountability thing. It's like, I can't do that anymore because I got baptized. <laughs> you know? I'm going to have to do this now because I got baptized. There's no going back. I got baptized. I'm a new person anymore. You know, now I'm a new person. The old stuff, I, I won't do that again. I'm changed. I got baptized. I invite you to get baptized. It's amazing. It's awesome. So let's pray. And we'll close. Thank you, God, for being absolutely amazing and incredible. Thank you, God, for giving your, your entire life to us and giving your whole self to us. You give us all. And in return, you're asking for all of us. I pray, Jesus, for my friends, those who know you. I pray, Father, that they will share their lives with somebody. They will die for somebody. They would deny themselves for somebody. That they will pay forward, Lord Jesus, what you've done in our lives. That what you have done in them, you'll do through them, Jesus. And we'll see miracles happen. Father, it will be used in such mighty ways that that's all we want to do. I pray, Father, would you transform the city of Reynoldsburg through my friends completely. That it would just not look the same anymore because my friends are fighting for the kingdom. I pray, Jesus, for my friends who are still hesitant to give their whole lives to Jesus. I pray, Father, that you show yourself real. You show your might to my friends. And they'll, they'll see, Father, the worth, how amazing it is that it click in their minds what people are talking about, about the kingdom of God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for being so gracious. Thank you, Father, that your mercies are renewed every morning. And thank you, God, for giving us a family of the body of Christ. Even though I don't know 
all my friends here. I know they're my brothers and sisters. Thank you, God, that I have an amazing family I can spend time with on, on Sunday morning. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church and in Reynoldsburg. Thank you, God, for what you're doing at Ohio State. Would you do even more things? We love you, God. And we pray all these things in your beautiful name. And we all say, amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.